is the way you really crave and something you really long for. If you get it through faith in God, faith in God's word, that means that it exists already somewhere. Which should give us a secure feeling instead of an insecure feeling. If your believing has you feeling insecure, you're not getting it from the word, but you can. See, if you're believing jumps around from thing to thing, place to place, you never really got it through the word. But you can. See, you're, this isn't a, a yes or no, uh, you can't have it or you can have it situation. The Bible says, what is that? Can you turn it off, please? Now, I don't take... Who is it? Yeah, please. I don't take stuff from people at the door. We ought to know to shut off electronic devices, put them on buzz. I know y'all look at them anyway, but I won't go down Juanita Bynum's road. She went down there pretty good herself. Y'all talking about my Bible is on my phone. You cuss people out on that phone. You gossip on that phone. You probably, are. <laughs> we ain't going there, okay? That's been done already. And very well. <laughs> I got blessed by it. <laughs> but let's just take care. Before you come in, just re- give yourself a mental note. Note, note to self, shut the phone off. So, Because it pulls the preacher off. You don't know how hard it is sometimes to stay focused on, on the word when you get up here. So y'all want to help me, okay? All right. So if it exists, you have reason to believe. If it's there, you have a reason to believe. Everything that God promises you, once your faith is mixed in it, exists somewhere. You have reason to believe. All of the things that we desire from God are yes and amen by us, which means that they're already laid out by God that they belong to us. And so all we are doing is saying yes to that and adding our faith into it so that we can take possession of it. Amen? And so uh, there is no uh, maybe or you don't have enough faith or, you know, uh, when Jesus would come to like, especially coming to the disciples. And that's what we are. We are disciples. You're here because you're here to learn. Amen. You didn't just come because somebody invited you. That might have been the hook. (laughs) But once you bite, you're here to learn. Amen. And so when we start understanding the things of God. We can step into that place of of believing that because God has said it, it must be so. See, it's got to be so. Other than that, we're not getting it from God. If it's not so, it's not God. You got me? It's just something we made up, something that sounds good, something that we got off a song somewhere. You understand that? But once you get it directly from God and from his word, then that means that that promise for you exists somewhere. It exists in a secure place that we call glory. God gives us faith to connect to a secure world that we cannot see. It's like if you had... had uh, uh, valuables in a safe deposit box you have evidence 
of that box because they give you a key to it. I mean, if it's yours, nothing ain't yours. You ain't got no key. But if it's yours, they give you a key to it. They keep a key. And so you both have to come into agreement and unlock that so that you can get into a secure. They provide the security and you have your token evidence that you own the contents of that box by your security key. What's the same thing with us with the promises of God? They're in a secure vault called glory. Where you can't mess with it. The devil can't tamper with it. Moth and rust can't come and eat it up. Nobody can steal it. It belongs to you. It's got your name on it. It's scheduled for delivery into your life at a certain time. And so that's what you need faith for. Faith tells you all of that. It tells you it's real. It tells you it's somewhere. It tells you it's secure. tells you it's invisible. And tells you it belongs to you. Other than that, once you mix your faith with it, you take possession of it by faith. Your faith then becomes your evidence. People are always saying, well, I need some, I'm waiting for a manifestation. No, if you have faith, that's enough evidence. That's one of the definitions of faith. It's the evidence of something you don't see. The minute God starts to show us more than what he needs to show us to keep us in faith, we lose the whole, and we want to see it bad. You understand what I'm saying? That's your carnal man, not real trying to steal what God has promised to your spirit man. If you stay in the spirit, your spirit is very comfortable believing without ever seeing. Listen, y'all ain't going to work me hard today. It exists. What we have in God exists. If God's alive, your promise is good. Amen. If if what you're believing for does not exist, then your doubt would be valid. And it would stay. Huh? So like Pastor Shirley and I are sisters. And I could tell her, I said, girl, you've been over my house yet? I got so and so and such and such and such and such. And such. Now the last time I was over there, it was the same dust mites on your headboard. <laughs> so you could allow all you want to. Huh? Well, see, she has reason to doubt. Because she has evidence to the contrary. To what I got over there. You understand what I'm saying? She know what I got. And so if we, if we, if, if what God has for us does not exist, then your doubt in it would remain. See, because doubt deals with the realm that we're dealing in. So if you're doubting it exists somewhere and that doubt remains, then that means that it does not exist for you, period. But if that doubt can be, if I can come and tell you, I said, God has told me to tell you, you got so and so and such and such and such and such, and that doubt says, whoop, 
goes bye-bye and you start believing, that means that existed out there all the time. See, your faith just made it valid and made it real. And so once you start putting your faith in real things, that can never be denied. I don't care how long it takes, how far you go, whatever you have put your confidence in can never be denied. So your doubt can easily be removed in the things of God by the same thing that brought you confidence in it to begin with, and that's the word. Whenever you start to experience doubt in something that God has promised you, you go right back to the word and you Talk amongst yourselves between you and God and you get that straightened out again and then you look and say, dang, how'd I get there again? I've been, you know what you've been doing? You've been looking in the visible realm and you shut your eyes off to what's invisible where it's secure, where it's taken care of, where you can't tamper with it. The devil don't know what it is and he'll never get his hands on it out there in glory and it's laid up for you. And it's on time to be and scheduled for delivery into your life. So the fact that what God has given you already exists. He don't have to make it up. He, he is not caught off guard by your delinquent notice. He's not caught off guard when the, the tow truck backs up to your your vehicle and pulls it off. He's not caught off guard when the doctors give you an evil report. You got me? He's not. He's already made preparation. He's already in remedy mode while we're in panic and shock mode. You got me? And so your answer exists already. So pull down the answer instead of trying to find out how to fix where you are. What did I do to get here? And how did I... See, God sees us like drowning people. Like if, if, if say, if Miss Pat fell in the pool and in the real deep water and was drowning, and I come in to get her, and I said, Miss Pat, how do you get up in here? Now, you done messed up real big. What made you fall in this water? You must have done something wrong to get yourself up. Why do we do that when trouble comes to us? Try to figure out how we got in here like you're going to get yourself. It ain't your job to get yourself. It says he delivers me from the hand of the enemy. He is my salvation. He is my rock. He is my fortress. It's not going to do you any good to figure out how it happened because you're going to do it again anyway. Circumstances get right again, you do it again. If you're trying to live the kind of life where you don't never get in no trouble, I got news for you in trouble already on that road. It's the wrong road. We walk on the grace road, not the law and works road. Amen. The real enemy of the God kind of faith is the visible realm. Because it causes doubt. Doubt is not your enemy. You shut that off anytime you want to. Your enemy is your focus. So the visible realm is the real enemy of faith. Amen. Because it causes doubt. Even when it seems to encourage what you believe. 
it can be deceptive. Huh? It's like, you know, people will say, you'll say something like, well, I want to get hired by uh, this company right here. And so you ask God for it. You get your faith assurance on the inside of you. You start thanking him for it. And then somebody comes along and says, oh, girl, they hiring over at so-and-so and such. And that's the company you're going to, you're holding on to your faith to get, get your job there. So what you do is you drop your supernatural invisible faith and you start running after what somebody tells you they saw. That's why you got to be careful. You can't focus on the natural even when it looked good to you. Hmm? Uh, don't go shopping for no husband in the gym. See, y'all ain't going to do me right today. I see that right now. I'm thinking about y'all. But them dudes in the gym so buff and they looking for somebody to pay their bills. They looking for somebody to pay for all that muscle stuff and them uh, protein shakes. They, them supplements and all that kind of stuff. Huh? The Bible says he who finds a wife... Find, let him find you. Huh? Go shopping for nobody. You might get what you shopping for. Oh, Pastor Barbie, he's so pretty. You want to see? He cut here and cut there and cut there and cut there and cut there. Yeah, he cut everywhere. Huh? They supposed to be cut when you shopping for him. Don't settle for no okie doke if you're just going for visibles. Right, Poppy? <laughs> Praise the Lord. The realm, the faith realm of God is eternal. It's unlimited. The resources are unlimited. The grace is unlimited. The prosperity is unlimited. Everything's unlimited in the realm of glory. But the visible is limited. The visible is limited to time and space, circumstances. It's limited to availability of resources. A job place where you thought you wanted, you were going to uh, get hired because somebody said they were hiring now. I suppose they run out of available spaces and you're looking to get yours by natural means. Now you're going to have to back up and believe God to fire somebody or somebody to get laid off or fail a drug test for you to get hired. Huh? It happens that way, but you want God, what God has for you unhindered. You don't want to have to fight, claw, and scratch for everything. You want what's reserved for you in glory. And this is how you get it. You get it through believing God in the invisible realm. Stay in the invisible as much as you can. God gives us faith to connect with what we cannot see. That's the invisible. The faith connection is real. It's eternal. The natural realm is subject to change. So don't waste your time and attention and energy focusing on it. 
Do not compromise with the natural realm by acknowledging its report. The natural speaks, but so does faith. Faith speaks eternally. The natural speaks in a temporal way. The faith of God comes through his spoken or breathed word. The breathed word of God is the Bible. The Bible it says that holy men of God wrote as they were moved or breathed on by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit moves through your mouth, he's breathing through you. He breathes on you and through you. When you read it and believe it or meditate on it, it becomes life to you. Why? Because there's resurrection power in the word of God. Why? Because it's eternal. Anything that lasts forever has the ability to make itself come alive again once it's laying dormant for a season. It's like when the church goes through what we call revivals. Revival only means that there was once a power alive in the church that somehow disappeared and now it's come back again. So there's resurrection life and power. You can kill the power of God real quick. All you get to do is start putting, injecting some worldly stuff in there. Just start trying to mix the world with it. Trying to pump it up and make it look bigger and better and greater than it is. And you've already polluted and defiled it. And so that word that you used to pump up and get everybody pumped up on, don't pump them no more. And people leave it for lack of interest. So it's been leavened. It's been injected with yeast. The yeast of the world. And so... When we have revivals, the only thing that happens is that dormant word that people left that used to heal people, bless people, make them strengthened and all that. Somebody came and blew life on it again and the resurrection power in it raised it back up again. The word of God is never dead because God's never dead. Amen. The word of God is always alive. So when we have understand that resurrection power is in the word of God. That takes the seasonality out of the things of God. Notice how people will say, well, this is your season. It's always my season. Huh? I call. Season! <laughs> it's already. You know what I'm saying? Don't let some man's word limit God's activity in your life. You can breathe life on the promise of God anytime you want to. Huh? All you got to do is sense a need for it or sense I just, you know, I just feel to try this and see if it works. We do that all the time. That's how we built this ministry. That's how we built revelation in the word. God would give us things to do and when we find scripture and I said, well, why don't we pray this and see if God will honor it? He honored it every single time. You, you understand me? And so when you Understand that, that, that this word of God is full of life and power when it's believed. Man. So when you read it, even though it's a, a written page, it'll come to life. When you start mixing your faith with it, you meditate on it, it becomes life to you. Now you can memorize or you can mix faith with the word. 
your basic Jehovah's Witness does not mix faith and life with the Word of God. They memorize everything. Huh? That's why they'll come to your house and try to get you in a mental argument. You got me? About what they believe. And so, and if you enter into that, you're gonna lose, you might be at the hall tonight. You understand what I'm saying? And out there selling them books and giving away them books too. Amen? Because you're mixing in with the temporal. You're not dealing with the supernatural. But if you'll wait on God and ask God to give you a now word to help that person, now don't ever be intimidated by anything the devil sends your way. You got me? Because you have the Holy Spirit within. The Holy Spirit eats Jehovah Witnesses for lunch. Huh? He ain't scared of them. He's scared of nobody. If he lives in you, you ain't scared of nobody. You understand what I mean? I remember years ago, I was, I was at home minding my business. And, and, uh, I had a knock on the door. And, and so I opened the door to Jehovah's Witnesses out there. And I was, I had been praying about it. I said, well, God, give me something to do for you. I would do that a lot. Sometimes he, it's your season to get out and do, and sometimes you need to stay home and study and pray and, you know, just chill out and do whatever, whatever. And the enemy was telling me, you should be witnessing. I mean, you know, you're up here in this new area you live in and all these people, you don't know, it's sinners in there. But I mean, just, you know, giving me a hard time. And up and, you know, look at the outside the door, here's two Jehovah's Witnesses. And something inside me said, it's lunchtime. <laughs> uh, y'all, grow up! You don't have to respect no devils. Are you kidding me? And I said, oh, lunch. So, you know. And uh, they were talking and talking and talking. And I told I said, well, I'm a Christian. You know, I'm, I'm already in the faith. And Well, you're a Christian. You ought to be out here like us going door to door. And the Holy Spirit told me, he said, you tell them you don't have to go door to door because I send people to you. I said, honey, he sent you to me. I said, I don't have to go nowhere, huh? They backed up off that. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? It just wasn't a day to get saved. If it was, the word would have been different from them. But it was a day to back up off my porch. You got me? Don't come back no more. But they didn't come back anymore. Waste your time with the devil like that. So anyway. But, but you, you, you can get faith in God's word and confidence in God's word. Amen. And it won't be lost through these little arguments and mental arguments and somebody memorized a few scriptures and want to throw them at you and this kind of stuff. The Holy Spirit can put that down anytime. You got me? That that ain't hard to beat right there. Amen. God has all wisdom and he will give that wisdom to you. Amen. When you need it. Amen. So that word will become life to you if it's believed and meditated on. You've got to 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 take the hard kernel off of the edge of that word through meditation and rub it down till you get to the meat of the kernel of that seed of the word. Got me? And once it it that you pop that hard hard outer shell of the word off, it springs up on the inside of you in the form of life. Everybody's had that feeling, that quickening 
of the Holy Spirit or that peace of the Holy Spirit that you feel on the inside of you when that word comes into you and you believe it and you receive it and it begins to have meaning for you. That that seed is food for your spirit. And God allows you to feast on that word anytime. You get into a situation, the devil trying to make you forget uh, that you prayed for something to make you think it ain't yours no more. What happens is that word that you stored in there begins to feed you all over again by the revelation that you've already opened up in there. That's to store, that's stored there to keep you in the faith. You don't have to go confessing your brains out. I mean, I think the confession is good because we live in a a world that will snatch the word from you so quick and make your head spin. But God has a, a process already in place on the inside of us to constantly feed us nourishment from the same word of God that we've been feeding on all the time. Your carnal mind always wants something new and novel. It's always into something. I know that. I heard that. Are you right? And I should do that. And I will do it. Make it yours. Make it start operating in that that's stored up on the inside of you. Start repeating it so that it ministers to you and it helps you to get through those difficult times where you're focused on the natural and you start to doubt what God has promised you. Believing gives it life in you. Once that word is is alive in you, you've taken possession of it. I don't care if you just heard that word today. You take possession of it by faith. You start believing, it starts to grow in you. Once the word is alive, it seeks to grow. It will seek that on its own. That word that's alive in you will start telling you when it needs you to start giving it more food. You'll start feeling out of sorts and discouraged and all that kind. The only thing that means is you walked off into the natural down the road a little too far. And that word you got in there is starving. It's like you ever bought a plant. Now some people like plants and and they just in them to take care of them. Uh, Not one of those. I take care of them plastic ones all day long. (laughs) You get me beyond plastic and... I forget they're there. I, you know, my dog didn't bark. I forget she's there. You understand? Well, you got to make some noise. Make some noise so I know you're alive. <laughs> but, but you know, I'm I'm just not a tender tin tin type person. You know, had to give up my garden. I love my garden. That made Pastor Shirley's son nervous. He said, "I don't like stuff that just come out of the ground around your house." <laughs> you had to get it from the store for him to. I said, I thought you were going with me, bro. I thought we was in this together with this garden. Right. You scared of it? He said, oh, that's Colossus. Crazy stuff. But anyway, it, it's hard for me to get into the natural mode of tending. Sometimes it's it makes it a challenge for you to do that spiritually speaking too. See, that's why a lot of times women are the best intercessors because they're used to taking care of stuff. They take care of stuff they don't even want in the house. You got me? And so when, when, when you think about tending the Word of God, it means watching over it to make sure it's cultivated, taken care of, all of that kind of stuff. So we have to tend the Word of God just like you would a plant or a garden. So believing gives it life in you. Once the Word is alive, it seeks to grow. 
And growth involves tending. Proverbs 4.20 through 22 tells us, My son, attend to my word. Incline thine ear to my sayings. Let them not depart. What you don't take care of will depart. Huh? That's true about everything. You start neglecting your children. If nothing else, social services get involved. Amen. They take them right on away from you. Whatever you don't take care of will leave your life. Why? Because you want it to. See, you show you don't care about it because you don't take care of it. So it it has no choice but to exit your life. I'm not going to go down that other street because y'all... Y'all ain't gonna go. Y'all ain't barely with me on this one. So it's just, we just, we just hop, skip, and jump along here. So, so as a farmer plants seed and cares for it, we must care for the word once it's planted. That involves focus in the invisible realm. In other words, get in your Bible. That's your invisible realm. That's your invitation to the invisible realm. That invisible realm, though you cannot see it, it is there. Everything in that Bible exists somewhere. If it's historical, it did exist somewhere at one time. Amen. So it involves a focus in the invisible realm. Don't look for a harvest immediately. Farmers don't do it. And you don't do it. But you will get an immediate manifestation in your faith. So what's the difference between harvest and manifestation? Well, Jesus talked about how corn grows. He says, first you see the shoot coming up out of the ground, then the blade, then the ear, that blade of grass that comes up. Y'all seen that. It's a stalk. And it's got all them little things. And then you, you get excited when you see them little fuzzy hair sticking out of there. Uh, the stuff that people who country people like to see but city people are scared of it you ever had a city person shuck corn for you ew what's this uh, it's called silk just pull it out it won't hurt you it's not alive you got me when a farmer sees that he's excited because he knows that ear of corn is right underneath that silk and as it fills out, and so, and Jesus said, pretty soon the full blade and, and, and the full ear of corn is there, and it's there because it was always there in the seed. So what you get from God is here in you now. It's there in the seed. That's why your faith won't let you let go of it because it's there. It's in the seed. And why do we doubt? Because we're looking for something in the visible realm instead of staying with the invisible realm. The invisible realm will always give you assurance that it's still there. If you're praying for a husband, you go into the Word. See, it's a problem with a lot of Christian women. They ain't in the Word with their husband. They are off in space somewhere, at the gym somewhere. real quiet in here now looking in the natural huh or doubting 
Nobody could ever want me. I just, <laughs> you keep thinking like that. Huh? Whoever gets you ain't looking for looks no way. Amen. Oh, say that to hurts my feelings. <laughs> They're looking for a wife. Somebody that's going to bring them life. Somebody's going to cook for them. And let them cook. <laughs> he going to have to do the cooking. <laughs> a wife doesn't say that. W I F E. Huh? A woman in faithful existence. Huh? Somebody faithful to God. Huh? Somebody who can go the extra mile with him. Or else he wouldn't get married and sleep with somebody. Sleep with anybody ain't gonna go, you know what I'm saying, throw you out when you. Start getting too demanding. You understand what I'm saying? But if you get in the word, W-R-D, where that's concerned, you'll find who God has for you in there. You're not going to find him in the gym. You're not going to find him on Facebook. You're not going to find him on Instagram. You know, taking your best selfie. Uh, or this one, they, I like, I see a lot of these, where they take, <laughs> but over 40 girls, <sighs> trying to get out of this guy, I don't know how I got down this street, but I'm leaving, uh-huh. so we have to, we have to learn how to feed that seed of faith for the things that we desire with more of the word. But see, if the word rebukes your carnal mind when you go in there and you quit going in there because God's teaching you how to be a wife, you'll leave the promise. Or if you keep listening to the devil... He's telling you stuff like, well, you know, uh, he, he, they looking for somebody like this, that, and the other. And the Christian women, they don't get no good husbands. So I was like, ah, you over here in the natural again. You got to feed what's on the inside of you with the same substance that came, that it came from. You can't feed a spiritual promise with carnal information. You know, you you find a man and he wants to sleep with you before you get married. Well, that ain't your husband. Huh? Because that ain't where you live. You saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, five baptized. Huh? They ought to be scared of you. Huh? Because once you tell them no, that no is the final. Huh? You don't even have to bring them to church to <laughs> let them value. I mean, you can say, just say no at the door. Huh? And that, that realm is eliminated. You just move on to, to where God wants you to be with somebody. 
You don't have to put up with that nonsense. But you've got to be willing to keep your faith in the invisible realm. You can't let it come out and sneak around in the visible and start trying to hunt around in the visible and see what's out there. Keep it in the visible realm where where the devil can't tamper with it, where you can't pervert it and say, oh, I know he ain't this and he ain't that and he, it's okay. God told me that's okay. Hmm? Your daddy wouldn't tell you that somebody like that is okay for you. Huh? So we have to pay attention to the word. We got to tend to that seed that's in us by cultivating more of the word and allowing that word to pluck out any kind of carnal interference with the problem. Because every time a seed is planted, weeds grow up around it. The weeds will, will cause that seed to be stunted or you'll start to cultivate the weeds. You know, Jesus talked about that in the, the parable about the wheat and the tares. The tares were actually a plant that looked exactly like wheat. And it grew up right alongside the wheat. And it wasn't really until harvest time that you could tell which was which. And the, 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 the smart farmer said, oh, just let it grow up there. Don't pull it out. If you pull that out, that will dislodge the good stuff. So just let it grow up together and at harvest time, God will sort it out for you. Amen? And so when we think about that in the, in the realm of the things that we desire spiritually, don't try to fight off every, every idea that might come to you you're not sure of as God. God, you let me know if that's for me or, or not. If it's not for me, we'll know that in due season. Just don't get entangled with it. Don't go trying to pluck it out of your life. Go, don't go try to pull it and make it do something that it's not designed to do. You allow that thing to grow right in there and say, God, you show me. You show me what's mine and show me what's not mine. And he'll do the sorting out for you. Sometimes we have ideas inside of us that are confused and jumbled. God can sort all that out. He can tell you what's, what's a part of his plan for your life and what's not. You know, a lot of times we, we get into this, I know I used to get into this thing real bad, still do sometimes, about uh, where people are called to use their gifts and stuff. Being a preacher, you think everybody's supposed to, you know, everybody's supposed to preach, just like me. But there are certain people who are called to make an impact in a secular setting. Even though they have gifts, you can see gifts and abilities of God, they're in everybody. Well, these gifts are given to men to bless humanity. That doesn't mean they have to be locked up in the church all the time. You understand what I'm saying? But I do believe that certain gifts for the church should be sanctified and holy and set apart to be used by God. And so many people may be called to a high level of giftedness in the secular realm. And they may be Christians. Let them stay out there in the secular realm where they are. And let the things that are called to be sacred and honored by God, let that be in the house of God. There are some people who are eloquent speakers. They they can influence people. That doesn't mean they're called to preach. You got me? And so don't make the mistake of pulling things in from the secular and, and trying to make them holy yourself where they can be used by God. God will use them in the realm where they are. Amen.
Do not look for a harvest immediately and become discouraged when it's not there. Okay, so you have to tend things. When it's tending time, it's not harvest time. The worst thing to do is to try and reap your harvest before it's mature. As you tend to the word, you plant, when you, as you tend to the word, you plant it and plant more. Your anyhow spirit begins to take over. So no matter what you see in the natural, this thing is yours anyhow. Once you've entered into having that thing planted and you start tending it, you enter an anyhow season in your spirit life. Where anything that comes against it, anything contrary to it, you look at that and say, this thing is mine anyhow. This thing I have, I'm possessing this anyhow. It doesn't matter what it looks like in the natural. This thing belongs to me anyhow. So you enter into an anyhow season in your life. Where you don't have to defend the fact that you're believing for something that nobody's seen, you haven't seen, and there's no evidence of it in the visible realm anywhere. It's still yours anyhow. I don't care how many years go by. If your years of, of, of believing God and, and, and all of that may be your anyhow season, but you have to maintain your faith in it anyhow. It has to be attended to. You have to give it time. You have to focus on it. You have to, you can't be afraid of what God's promised you. Huh? You really can't. I mean, people do this kind of, your mind will mess you up if you don't know how to engage in tending to what God has for you in your anyhow season. Huh? Say you're believing for a marriage reconciliation. And when you started believing, your spouse was halfway out the house and then he got all the way out the house. Now he's somewhere else shacked up and you hear they getting married. Well, he's coming back anyhow. It's your husband anyhow. He got married. He's coming back anyhow. Huh? You have to have an anyhow mentality. You have to have an anyhow spirit. You have, to, you have to have that for what God promised you because if it was real one time, it is still real. I don't care what happens in the natural. And see, this is the test of faith for people. Is that God knew what was going to happen when he allowed you to believe for it from day one and he still let you believe for it. The devil saw that and wanted you to disconnect. That's why he tries so hard to get you to disconnect. Every time you look around, somebody you thought was agreeing with you and in it with you, now they're off somewhere saying it won't happen. Why? Because the devil wants you to disconnect. He would like nothing better than to take a Christian's so-called ex-spouse to hell. See, they have a big party when that stuff goes on. Look what we stole. Great person of paste and flour. Got the husband down here. Oh, Barb, you preaching good. 
I got quickened myself. See, when y'all get stunned, I know I hit it. Bam. Huh? You know why? Because many people are afraid to trust God and the same word that's going to get your bills paid and all the little frou-frou stuff you want. Yo, Michael Kors and yo, well, he ain't so hot no more, you know. Well, whoever it was, Gucci, Poochie, and, and Poo Poo and Bad Man. All them designers. Right. Huh? That's the same faith that's going to get brought back in the house. You understand what I'm saying? And you can't dislodge your faith in God and put it over here for this because you want that and you ain't, I'm down with that over there and you don't want that no more. See, that's what's got most people hindered beyond measure. You're mad at the saints, mad at God, mad at the pastor, mad at everybody because you don't have what that TV preacher said. If I send this big seed in, God's going to give my breakthrough. You ain't broke nothing. You broke. <laughs> he got your money. <laughs> but we ain't where we thought we was going to be. Huh? Because nobody can tend your garden for you. You got to tend that yourself. You got to have an anyhow attitude about everything you believe God for. The devil will steal anything from you. You got to have that anyhow. Anyhow is not a consolation prize. Let me get you straightened out about that. Because you know when we say, uh, well, you know, I don't care what my body says, I'm healed anyhow. Sometimes when you say that, you think, well, that's kind of weak. Anyhow, that's not a consolation prize. That ain't no default position. That's a position of strength. Are you kidding me? That overcomers say that. I'm, hey, I got it anyhow. I'm blessed anyhow. I'm healed anyhow. I'm delivered anyhow. My kids are prosperous anyhow. They're servants of the Most High God anyhow. You got me? Because that's a faith statement. That's what overcomers say. When they recognize that there's hindrance out there. When they recognize that there, And you don't want to be a part of the problem. You put yourself in an anyhow situation. It's mine anyhow. It's a position of security in what is given. And it's a place of strength. Romans 4.17. Oh, she's in the Bible finally. Yes. <laughs> Praise God. Romans 4.17. Oh. Come on here. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. God said that to Abraham when he was 99 years old, had had one son that God disinherited. And he's looking all these years for an heir. About 17 years have passed since, since God first spoke that to Abraham. How long you been waiting? You might have to wait longer. We 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 get better promises. <laughs> huh? 
it's better faith is required. Sometimes God keeps some things at a distance in our lives to perfect us for what he's really called us to do. Huh? You know, getting married, that's not all you're here for. You got me? Having a career, that that's not all you're here for. Sometimes God has to keep that away from you to keep you in faith. Huh? You mad and upset and keep getting up every morning. When is it coming, God? If it don't come today, I'm just through. Me and you is quits. And you ain't gone nowhere yet and he ain't gone nowhere yet. Huh? And all the married people said, and the single people say, oh my! Lions and tigers and bears, oh my! But see, me and my husband, we ain't gonna never, never's a long time. I want to be a fly on the wall in that house. So anyhow is not a default position. It's a position of strength. Because it allows you to look at everything the devil brings against you and still hold on to your faith. It's got to come from a position of faith in God that is not weakened by what happens to you in the natural. Amen. Abraham, the Bible says, he did not even think about his body being old. Past age to conceive. He and his wife. Now think about that. And see, we say, oh my goodness, but you got the same kind of faith he has. If you're a child of God, you're, you're a Abraham seed and you're an heir of his faith. That's the most important thing that you can get from either your natural parents, your, your pastors, your anybody is to inherit that same faith that they have. Amen. And so we have the same, we have the same ability to not look at anything in the natural. Huh? Uh, on your on your worst days, you can look in your mirror and say, "Look at her. Is she pretty or what? She's the cream of the town. Everybody want to date with her. Got to fight them off getting to the dough. Hey, huh? Because you consider not." That you fell in that bed last night and it slobbered all over yourself and I called Pastor no, I text Pastor Shirley today. I said, because uh, you know what something happened. Well, I tell you what happened. I had to take I have to take a pill that caused my eyebrows to disappear. I just looked up one day and they was gone. And I said. Them eyebrows and marched off my face. They gonna march right back up on here. Now I just now listen, Lord. We ain't falling apart all in one day. Come on now, you gotta leave me something. So I I I'm developing this this uh, school. I guess you could call it a cosmetetical school. Or I got, I got a cosmetology life. With with my nursing license, they all packed up somewhere. You know, that's the old that's the old life. I go back there when I want to. But I'm developing how to draw them. I never had to draw no eyebrows before. So I talked to Pastor Shirley this morning. I said, I put an eyebrow on there and it won't wash off. 
and it's over here, and nothing over here. Wait, just, but we working on it. Just pray for me, okay? You can pray for me. Okay? I must have got this. I buy all kinds of stuff, you know, cosmetics wise, tattoo, this, and I got in, I got some tattoo product up there. And what, this one's way over here, and then, and I don't have glasses on when I do this stuff, so it's kind of looking like anything, huh? So now I gotta find some tattoo corrector. You know what I'm saying? It's, isn't that right? But he's coming. One eyebrow, gonna love it. He's gonna love it. He's gonna love it. One eyebrow, I don't care. Huh? Yeah. <sighs> Takes a lot to preach, I'm telling you. God told Abraham, I've already done this. Nothing you can do to stop it. For every promise he gives us, he's already done it. Nothing we can do to stop it. You got me? You can quit believing and a promise will chase you down. The Bible says that. It said blessings will come upon you and overtake you. That means if you run here, the blessing's over there. If you run here, it's over there. When it's due, it will show up where you are. It will find you. Enjoy yourself. Keep believing God about it. Amen. Don't stress yourself out. Don't sweat yourself out. Just keep believing God for it. And Joshua, he told Joshua 6.16, shout. Why? I've already given you the city. Don't try to take it without the shout. You won't get it without a yet praise. Huh? You rejoice because he's given it to you already. You don't rejoice when you see it. You don't have to see nothing to rejoice. So like your kids, when you would tell them, they say, Mommy, uh, I want so-and-so for Christmas. And you say, Okay. Is he and they're looking for it they can do that we can do that amen God's a much better father than we ever were amen 1 Peter 2.24 by whose stripes you were healed ye were healed that means all y'all was healed by his stripes not just a select few people you were all healed by his stripes How do we know this? How do we know? Abraham asked that question of God. Genesis 15. Miss Tanya, how much time do I have, darling? Uh, I can set the world on fire. Well, I won't do that. I'll just try to wake the saints up. (laughs) Keep them woke. (laughs) Genesis 15 and verse 8. Abraham had walked a little bit with God and was getting a little weary believing God for what he promised him. Now, Abraham was human like you and I are. Everybody has ups and downs in their faith. Some days we feel more with it than others. Some days we're more focused on the natural, what we lack instead of what we have. Everybody does it. 
your mind is trained to give some credence to the natural. And so if that is prolonged, we can fall out of uh, rejoicing and out of understanding of what's going on. This happened to Abraham, Genesis 15 and verse... He had been having this conversation starting in verse 1 with God. Abraham said, you promised me a son. I don't have one yet. This was before Ishmael was born. And so he's going to get in some some false stuff too. Like some of them dates you went on wish you hadn't gone on. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, it can happen to anybody. You got me? Don't Don't put yourself above certain things and God can use those though to teach you how to discern and teach you how to know his voice but don't stay a trainee forever he had one Ishmael not six in a row so he tells him he said I got a servant in my house and and you, you generally people would leave things to the servant because they were taking care of everything if, if they didn't have a natural heir. And so then then uh, he asked God, uh, you promised me a son, where is he at? In other words, where my stuff? Been there? I have many times. And I'll go back again at some point. You understand? And so he says, uh, this, this servant, he's going to have to have everything. And so God told him, he says, uh, God told him to go look toward heaven and count the stars. That's how many kids you're going to have. The things that God gives us as markers for our faith, like sometimes sit back and reflect. Now, you Sometimes you'll be so far from faith. Did God really tell me he was going to do this? And then you try to figure out when. Did he ever really say, did he? Huh? And so... Mark those things in your heart and allow God to refresh your memory on them. But then God tells Abraham, this will be your marker. Every time you look up at the stars, count your children. And every time you look down at the the grains of sand on the seashore, count your children. And so whether Abraham had a high day looking up or a down day looking down, he counted his children. And that's how God kept him in faith. You got me? Find out what you need to do to keep you in faith for the things that God has promised you. And so he says, okay, well, that's good. You you told me that before. But then over in verse 8, he says, Lord, how will I know this? In other words, your word is good and your promise is good. But I need something more so that I can know what you're doing. And God told him this, and this was very important, because this is how people in those days knew that what they were promised was coming for sure. And God told him, go get you two animals and split them, and I'll shed blood with you and and form a blood covenant with you, a blood oath with you. Blood made that promise secure. It made it sure. It was an oath and a promise at that point. Up until then, it was just his word. And Abraham believed God according to his word. But then after a while, that word got feeble in him and he wanted to know. 
And so God cut a blood covenant with him and formed an oath. Now the oath, the blood gives eternal life to every promise that comes out of the mouth of God. The promise describes what you've been given. The oath makes it real. The oath brings it to life. Amen. So the sworn blood is what brings to life every promise of God that we have. The blood oath brings a knowing to the word. Once you know that that signed in the blood and the blood speaks to you that it's more than just something you've been told. That blood talks to you about that promise every day. Because the Holy Spirit is the resurrected voice of the blood of Jesus Christ. So he speaks of things eternal. He speaks of the things that you know that God has promised you and they will come to you without fail. So the blood puts the not fail on the promise and on the word of God. That's why you can't just sit up and read the word and oh, that sounds nice. And, and You must come back to it. You ever done that? You you get off on something. You you read in the Bible where God says, uh, "By His stripes you were healed," and then you go off and do something else, and then you start looking at your body and listening to your body, and something inside you brings that word. Remember, by His stripes you were healed. That's the blood talking to you. It is alive. If it's alive, it acts on its own accord. You don't have to question it. You don't have to pump it up. You don't have to say it 15 times real fast to make it come alive. Huh? You don't have to click your heels. And Toto too. You know, it is not some kind of magic thing like that. I wish we'd get the faith in God out of the realm of just some steps and formulas and stuff to do and how to repeat it just just so and, and all this kind of stuff trying to make it real. It's already real. The blood talks for himself. He He's real. He will reiterate that that word. You can be going off acting stupid and crazy and all of a sudden something in in you puts on brakes and says, man, I can't do this. God has done too much for me. That's the blood talking to you. That's how you know it's God. That's how you know it's for you. That's how you know it's real. It doesn't matter what it looks like in the natural. Everything could be looking real good in the natural. And the devil will show up and start punching you around and making you doubt and stealing stuff and going crazy. If you trust in the power of the blood and you hear it speak, you have a confidence of the anyhow. You got me? That's where your anyhow confidence comes from. Abraham said, we don't have kids anyhow. Sarah laughed. She thought it was funny. But God said, what'd you laugh for? She said, I didn't laugh. The blood made her back up off of her bad confession. It'll make you do the same thing. huh? You'll be sitting up talking crazy. I don't believe that no more because I, I, God told me he never did tell me that. And the blood will tell you a liar. You don't lie on God. He told you that. You just got over there with them worldly people and got weak in your head and you start believing something else. But he'll make you back up and stay convicted about what you just said. God don't care if you don't want something no more. He means what he says. He trying to get you to get with the program. 
the blood says that you are off the hook. You don't have any performance requirements to make it happen. They'll tell you, no, okay, you can do that if you want to, but that ain't moving me. Huh? I mean, it's all good and all that, but that ain't the right. You know, it's like going in and you jump on a machine in the gym and you're going to build yourself up and then somebody really knows how to train and say, that ain't going to get that. Is that what you're trying to do? <laughs> it ain't working. Huh? He's your personal trainer. He helps you stay engaged in the things of God so you don't waste your time trying to earn it by works. Huh? We go into works because we're scared to talk to God about it. Hmm? Well, you can do that on your own. You can go out and do this, do that, do that, do that, do that, do that, and hope you're impressing him. Huh? Huh? <laughs> the blood says, I have given my life in exchange for whatever you need. I have given my life in exchange for whatever you need. So my life is already given. You can add it. My blood is already shed. You can add it. I've already been to the cross. I went to heaven with the blood on the mercy seat. It speaks mercy over your life. You can have that. Huh? I just got, you know, you just got to get in the anyhow mood. Huh? See, anyhow will keep you out of trying to explain yourself to yourself. See, we blame other people. They questioning me about, uh, when, when, when am I going to get so and so? Well, you, you picked up the conversation. That was your big, you should have told them I'm getting it anyhow. I don't have to see nothing. I don't know why you need to see so much because it ain't coming to your house. You ain't got to pay for it. You ain't got to take care of it. You ain't got to do nothing. I don't know why you're so interested, but it's coming to me anyhow. It's mine anyhow. See, the devil plants these arguments and leaves you with them. The person, the, the messenger is gone and he left you with the message and now it's messing your head up. Huh? The devil going to live in your head. Make him pay rent. You understand what I'm saying? Don't just let him live rent free. Good gravy. Huh? Where's mine anyhow? I'm healed anyhow. Huh? I used to get condemned. Sneaking, taking my little pills. I got to take pills. You know, jacking around with the devil on this too long. So, okay. So I'm in the slammer. I be trying to fake it. You know. You know, <laughs> just don't do a purse check on me. You know what I'm saying? Get my purse. You know, when they put it through the x-ray machine at the airport. <laughs> right. Trying to feel condemned about it. And the Lord said, why are you going through all this trouble? Why are you trying to go hide and stuff? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He said, you're healed anyhow. He said, you think that pill is going to separate you from my love? Are you kidding me? He said, you healed any. He said, I love you too. <laughs> One time I was sitting in the dentist's office. I got busted again. Now here I'm taking the pills. Now this is how the devil jerk you around. That's why you got to pray and cover yourself in the word. 
at all times when you do stuff. I'm taking the pills. They quit working. So here I am in the dentist's office. My blood pressure's jacked up. And I'm looking at it. I said, this can't be right. And the girl said, hmm. It's a little high, but it's not high enough for us not to give to you. This has shot me right in my jaw. And I said, Lord, here I am. I said, I'm dying. He said, don't you know I love you too much to let you die in the dentist's office? Amen. In other words, my reputation is die at home. You know, no, I'm messing with y'all. Wake up. I don't care what y'all do. But my reputation would be totally shot if I died in medical by the hand of the medical profession. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So so we jack ourselves up about stuff that means nothing. Means nothing at all about anything. And he told me, he said, you're healed anyhow. He said, take them stupid pills until you, I get you confident that you're healed. We get get you together. <laughs> you're a little hot mess right there. You know, and sometimes you are that way. You're getting all these crazy thoughts about, should I do this or should I, if I do this, what does that mean? If I do that, you said, just chill out, okay? I got this. The blood will talk to you and give you assurance that God's got this for you. Amen? He's got this for you. So you have getting that anyhow mentality. Hebrews tells us that by two immutable things, two things that can never be changed, God locked himself in to his own promise to himself. God not only promised you something, he pro- what's most important is what he promised himself. Huh? A vow to yourself is the strongest form of self-obligation you can make. Your vow to you is stronger than your vow to your kids or to your spouse. See, in order for you to stay faithful to a spouse, you got to promise yourself you won't. If you've never promised yourself you won't do certain things, you go do them. I don't care what you promised him. You promised yourself you won't. Like like Job said, I promised my eyes. I made a vow and a covenant with my eyes to not look at another woman. So he promised himself he wouldn't do it. You're the keeper over your own heart and over your own mind and over your own self. So the promise you make to you is much stronger than what you make to somebody else. You can't promise nothing to nobody until you're a person of integrity to yourself. It's all flimsy. Huh? And so God made a covenant with himself. When Abraham brought those animals to be cut, God put him to sleep. And he made a covenant with himself over Abraham and all his descendants that he would never break his word to any of us and it was sworn by an oath and a promise. That blood still speaks. That blood that was there was a shadow of the blood of Jesus that talks and is alive right now and speaks to us every day. If you don't think that blood talks, how you think you get yourself up in the morning when you don't feel like it and you wish you could quit and don't want to quit? Huh? That blood wakes you up. 
I said, get up, girl. What you? Get? I know you're a hot mess, but, you know, you my hot mess. Come on, let's get with it. Huh? It's the truth. Many times we doubt our own faith. What if you doubt your faith? Do I have enough faith? Jesus will tell you, just hold on to what you have. If it needs to get bigger, I'll grow it. That's my job. Huh? See, the blood tells you you're never out of the game. When Jesus would talk to the disciples and ask them, where is your faith? Oh, ye of little faith. It's because they didn't use it. It was there, but it wasn't being used. As long as you show Jesus your faith, he knows how to grow it and make it at That's his job. That ain't your job. You're healed anyhow. You're prosperous anyhow. You have a good career anyhow. You have a flourishing business anyhow. You have a prosperous ministry anyhow. Huh? I said prosperous. I didn't say big. Huh? You can put miracle grow on stuff and grow big. In Mark 7, let's look at that. Jesus grows your faith. Mark chapter 7. Verse 24, from thence he arose, went to the borders of Tyre and Sidon and entered into a house, would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. For a certain woman whose daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell at his feet. And the woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said, let the children first be filled, for it is not meat or proper to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. In other words, you don't feed your dog first, you feed your kids first. Dogs get the leftovers. And she said, yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said, for this saying, go your way. The devil has gone out of your daughter. Now when she first came to Jesus, she had no faith whatsoever. How did at the end of one conversation she get her daughter healed? You can do the same thing. Any conversation with Jesus will leave you better off before you start it than after it's over with. Why we don't go to him first, I have no clue. You run to this person, you run to that person, you try to look on TV, see if you get an answer. Try to get a little something off of that, why don't you talk to God about it? See, we're scared to do that. You know why we're scared of what he's going to tell us. But it's always good. 
That's the biggest threat. The devil will put that idea in your mind. Well, you know you don't do this enough. You don't do that enough. Like you'll never be able to get anything from God. Hey, devil, I have news for you. I'm saved. That's the biggest thing that's ever happened. If I got that, I know the rest of it is easy. Because I was a hot mess when I came to Christ. And and he saved me anyhow. If that worked for me, anything else he has for me is going to come just like that did. Go to God. Talk to Him. Let Him know you doubt. Let you let Him know you sick away. Let Him know you don't know what's going to happen next. Huh? Let Him know that brother at the gym looking purdy. <laughs> huh? I just can't get purdy out my mind. God, what's wrong with me? I know I'm going to let it take me to hell. Huh? He ain't scared of that. He can put you in your right mind. He can help you understand who you are. He can help you to understand that some people just gonna look good to you, period. You understand what I'm saying? And he can help you to not indulge yourself beyond what's comfortable for him and you. You understand me? Go to God when these things trouble you. Let that blood start talking to you so that you can know, God, I'm in a good place anyhow. I'm tormented about certain things, but I'm right with you anyhow. And that makes everything right. You understand what I'm saying? I know that I have a future and I have a hope in you. Amen. Because I'm yours anyhow. I belong to you anyhow. If I put you first, everything else is going to fall into place anyhow. You're saved anyhow. We got beyond that devil one day. Every time you said a cuss word or felt you wanted to smoke a cigarette, the devil told you wasn't saved. You kept coming to God. You kept coming to church. I'd say that's saved. Amen. You have a covenant with God that says different than what we t- traditionally think. But you, you have an anyhow place in God. You have to maintain that place. Don't let the devil get you out there and start telling you because it hasn't happened yet. What you going to do? Huh, devil, it's mine anyhow. Huh? Well, you, you know, a lot of people, they they die and don't never get that kind of stuff. Well, it'll be mine in heaven anyhow. But I tell you what, devil, because you brought that up, I'm going to start believing harder for it to happen in this life. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you. for Thank you, Lord, for giving us your word. Uh, it's all good amen he says it's all good we're he said we you and me are in a place where i'm going to prove to you that everything in your life is all good with me says the lord he says some of you just pick yourselves apart and and are looking for some kind of perfection and i never put that idea into your head says the spirit of god you think that that you're more powerful than you are to mess things up. Said your faults have been dealt with already. They are of no consequence now, says the Spirit of God. Your shortcomings, your your mistakes are all forgiven, which means I don't I'm not going to talk to you about them. Anymore. That's why I go silent sometimes 
when you start asking me about things. This is they've all been dealt with. And I want you to move on now into a grace that I've ordained for you from the foundation of the earth that you would go forth and you would conquer and you would bear fruit that remains, says the Spirit of the living God. For your life has taken a supernatural turn. The day that you met me, your life took on a whole different meaning than what it meant before. The former things are former things. Let them go, says this. Let everything go, says the Spirit of God. For I do a new thing in you. I'm doing a new thing in your life. I'm doing a new thing even in your health. I'm doing a new thing even in your situation, says the Lord. I'm bringing a new prosperity. I'm bringing a new goodness, a new fullness into your life, says the Spirit of God. Because you come to an anyhow place where I'm causing you to forget and not to fret about what has not happened yet in your life. I'm causing you not to fret about things that are yet to manifest in your life. I'm causing you not to fear what you can do to mess this up, says the Lord. You can't mess this up. I've put things out of your reach so that you can't handle them before time, says the Lord, but handle them you will at the appointed season. So understand the anyhow place of strength that I put you in. It's a place of no worry, no fear, everything's taken care of, Everything's provided and everything's right. It's all good. It's all good, says the Lord. I work everything out for your good, no matter what it is. The good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent, I work it out everything for your good. It's all good. It's all good with me, says the Lord. So you're not lacking anything. There's nothing you need to fix. There's nothing you need to correct. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. I receive that. Man, receive that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just lift your hands up to heaven in an act of receiving. Let your spirit open up to receive what God's depositing. It's coming to you in due season, says the Lord. In due season. In due season. In due season. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, the Lord wants to clarify something. He said, some of you are believing when, when I say due season, there are things that you need now. He said, I'm not talking about those things. Those things come as a matter of faith. Don't put off on the back burner what you need in the now. You got me? Don't move to the back burner 
what you need now. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We need to get that straightened. When when I said due season, how many of you thought money? Nobody? Well, we're all good now. Praise God. Amen. Because that's not a due season thing. Amen. Increases due season, but provision that you need for now, it's a now thing. Amen. So you all straight on that? Praise God. Amen. All right. We're good. Amen. Anybody need prayer? Come on up and I'll pray for you.